it's really helpful to start with that chant, especially as we will now go into, as I was saying, a little bit more of a constricted understanding of how our consciousness, you can almost say, is held tightly, far too tightly than we would like it to be, based on this awareness of these different stages that evolved into what we call the caste system, but really had nothing to do with how we see the caste system today. In fact, I'll try not to use the word caste too much because it just has that negative connotation, like rather to think of them as stages of consciousness in the evolution of consciousness. But as we were talking about, A, we're none of this because we're pure spirit. But when we enter into, you know, this playing field, this Kurukshetra, which is the field, then we're bound by the rules of the field. If you think about any game, for example, say soccer, football, no? It doesn't matter if you're the greatest player in the world. When you're on the field of football, you're bound by the same rules as the worst player or the best player. But the good player knows how to use every rule to his advantage and the horrible player <laughs> can't quite figure out But when you step out of that field, then none of those rules apply anymore. When we exit, when we enter into spirit, then we're no longer bound by that reality. That is why moksha is really the goal, especially and primarily of this particular chapter. Moksha, sannyas, yoga. And that is where we left it in our last class, which was the 40th verse, which said, There is no one in the material world, nor among the gods in the astral heavens, who is free from the three qualities or gunas born of prakriti. Now the gunas are going to naturally come into play. And from there, he then expanded by saying, O scorcher of foes or juna, the duties of Brahmins, Kshatriyas, Vaishyas, as also the Shudras are according to the gunas uppermost in their natures. Uppermost in their natures. Now remember we talked about the gunas manifest in all kinds of ways at all different times and at certain in certain areas of our lives we have certain gunas at play in other areas we have others you know at work we have more a rajasic guna when we are at home there tends to be a little more tamasic guna when you know so on and so forth in our ability to give to people someone might have a lot of sattva but they can only express that sattva with the people they love but the moment it's about a stranger that very guna that otherwise was sattvic here suddenly comes down to either rajasic or tamasic so you've got all these things at play it's like think about like subjects in a school right in like history i'm getting 90 percent but in <laughs> physics i'm getting only 30 percent and then eventually they aggregate and say acha aapko 63 percent aaya total and that tells you that's the expression of the caste so to speak that's the expression of this stage of consciousness at which we are depending on the kind of you can say the combination of all the gunas at play and all the different subjects of our life put together the aggregate quality becomes the kind of you can say specific gravity of consciousness we would usually that's our default setting and knowing that allows us then to know where we need to be and that's the beautiful part of these stages of consciousness called the caste system because here he says the duties of this outward expression. Till now the gunas have been a little bit more, 
mental no like oh it's like he who has sattva is this kind and that kind and his understanding is this way and is now we're bringing it into a duty dharma that's our biggest question isn't it what are we supposed to do in this life and our duties depend on that stage of consciousness we are in in accordance to these four stages the the shudra represents primarily tamas the vesha represents rajotama which is energy but the energy is very contractive the kshatriya represents rajasattva energy it's still restless it's still outward but it's an expansive energy and then the brahman represents primarily sattva so let's look at this is 42 now the inherent duties of the brahman or the highest caste the highest state of evolution are mind control these are the duties this isn't what tells you if you're a brahmin this is your duty if you consider if your consciousness is that of a brahmin your duty is mind control or concentration sense control through the practice of pranayama self restraint so you have to have power over yourself that's a duty it's not just a quality it's not like ah she has power over herself therefore it becomes her absolute responsibility to have power over herself if she is to consider her consciousness to be that of a brahmin forgiveness i love that one just thrown in there after all this really you know powerful things forgiveness integrity wisdom and meditation to attain self realization it's a duty to meditate to attain self realization and faith in the highest truth these are the duties of a brahmin now when you read this you'll say and these like everybody's duties like shouldn't everybody learn forgiveness shouldn't i mean we constantly say meditation is for everyone you know shouldn't everyone learn how to meditate shouldn't everyone learn how to concentrate shouldn't everyone have some amount of self control now that's the beauty of the system here and that's what krishna is trying to say he's trying to see the world as it is not as it should be now what does that mean recently or just yesterday somebody asked us in a class we were doing how should i behave if he gave a little scenario now the question is how should you behave i can give you all beautiful things oh you should behave with a lot of restraint you should behave with a lot of forgiveness you should behave with a but the question is how are you capable of behaving that's what the caste system tells you it's like saying how should i play tennis now the coach will say oh you should play tennis by holding the tail you know racket this way you should only swing in this way your stance should be like this your awareness should be like this but then when i put you on the court how are you capable of playing tennis is the first question not how should you play and often in the spiritual path we are always like how should i look how should i be you know how should i be the this is what what is spiritual here the first question is what are you capable of are you capable of forgiveness if you're not capable it really doesn't help me to tell you you should be forgiving i need to see where is your caste not as a judgment in fact i shouldn't see it at all you should be aware of what awareness there is in fact the very question what should i do you remember in the last class one of the qualities of rajas which is in the understanding of intellect the quality of rajas is not able to know dharma from adharma so the very question what should i do here 
is rajasik in this particular case becomes part of the vaishya consciousness because the vaishya is looking at what's going to benefit me here what should i be doing and it's weighing the pros and cons okay forgiveness will be okay forgiveness will help me become more spiritual but my own tendency says i should get upset here and so it's trying to decide maza kis mein zyada aayega what's going to be more beneficial to me if it's trying to achieve forgiveness it wants to move from a vaishya to a kshatriya reality but it's still not able to because it's still confused dharma kya hai yahan pe as a brahmin forgiveness is a given so if somebody says what should i be doing here that already tells you that that is a state that is not yours right now because forgiveness otherwise should be the most natural state you won't even think about it you won't even have to ask the question coming back to meditation was an interesting thing narayani and i once met a saint and had spent some time with him and we were at his ashram and now he himself was a deep meditator this saint and you know he's he was into kriya yoga he himself practiced kriya but nobody in his ashram meditated they were purely into chanting and arati and you know, like bhakti. yeah bhakti and you know seva and we would ask him like you know here you are telling us you guys are on the highest path it's amazing that you're meditating you're amazing kriya yoga is the best i mean every day we would meet with him he just like go on and all about how amazing kriya yoga is so one day we were just like why doesn't anybody why don't you teach meditation to your disciples and he says ha huh, they can't meditate just like that he knew what they needed he wasn't like us meditation is the best thing sabko meditate karna chahiye but if you're not capable of meditating what are you going to do once a devotee of ours who was a kriya ban she wanted her husband also to start meditating so she had she said she got him to get an interview with swami kriyananda <laughs> and swami ji meets with this man and this man kind of is like waiting ki swami isko bolega ki you know ye karo wo karo and he just asked swami ji what should i do and he says you can't meditate why don't even try like that and all he told the man is in your business try your best to see your business a little bit as a seva that's it try to move a little bit from vaishya to kshatriya that's all he gave him because that's what he was capable of doing and this is the most powerful reality of what this stages of consciousness is don't expect everyone to live up to some imaginary high state of reality but if they are not capable not because they are boxed in and bhai tu niche hai aur main upar hu again it's not for us to see it's more for us to see our own capability not in other people but it also helps in just having that impersonal reality that everyone is where they are and their next steps are not my next steps and the way they express their life is not the way i express my life and my life doesn't make mine better or worse than theirs because if i can only hold the racket this way and i can only swing this way right now that's all i can do but with practice if i practice forgiveness over and over and over when even when it hurts even when it's hard even when every part of my being is screaming no let's not forgive this person if i practice that racket then suddenly i can play tennis the way it should be played 
And that's the important thing here. So look at those qualities again of the Brahman qualities. And just look at your own thing. What am I capable of first? And what am I willing? And what would I aspire to become second? And then you bring the two together and see where they will meet. My capability with my aspiration and marry the two. So that's the Brahmin qualities. Not much to explain here. It's pretty obvious. Meditate, karo, Bhagwan, go, merge into God. Then and only then can you be really. Nowhere as he said, the Brahmin is he who does a lot of pujas. He's the Brahmin who speaks Sanskrit. He's the Brahmin who knows all the recitations of all the scriptures. No, none of that. So your idea is Pandit Lok Brahmin. You know, that's not what Krishna means. Consciousness. Gunas. Not hereditary, not passed down from father to child. Gunas. And that's where the gunas play such a vital role to understand ourselves. When I'm on the playing field of football, am I a defender? Am I an offense player? Am I a you know blocker? Am I a runner? What is my role? I can't just be like Cristiano Ronaldo is you know offense khelta hai, to mujhe bhi offense hi khelna hai. Nahi bhai, tum defender ho, tum ho. But is the defender any less than the one who plays offense? Oh, because when the ball's going to come this way, you need that guy. Then Cristiano Ronaldo is useless once the ball gets on this side of the court. So you have to be very, again, just in our spine, fully aware. This is all about knowing yourself. The last part, which is interesting, which is about moksha and which is about, you know, sannyas. And all Krishna wants us to know is know ourselves fully. Only then can moksha and sannyas even be approached. The natural duties of a Kshatriya are valor, vigor, fortitude, resourcefulness, skill in action, standing up firmly to the enemy. Enemy doesn't mean, you know, someone who's trying to kill you. Your own habits, your own bad qualities, your own downward pulling forces, standing up firmly to that. Munificence, which means generosity and leadership. The kind Swamiji has put here, the kind that inspires people, not ki, I am your leader, you have to do whatever I say. It has to be that which lifts other people up, only that kind of leadership, not I know what is right and so therefore I will tell people what is right. That is again a tamo, anything that says I and not others, not an expansive reality, naturally moves into the tamas region of being. So you have to just understand where I am, what I am, when I am. When I am in okay, little leadership Oh, let me bring some fortitude. Let me bring some energy, if nothing else. If that's the only thing I can do. Because at that time, I can't say meditate, karo. I can't say forgive people. Do what you can do. That is at least a single upward step from where you are right now. That's again very easy. The archetype for a Kshatriya is a warrior, is the king, someone who serves, someone whose life is for others. You know, most of us, Master said, oh, come onto the spiritual path earnestly, are mostly Kshatriyas on the spiritual state of consciousness. Almost none of us are Brahmins yet. You know, but many of us are about let's bring energy, let's put out the perseverance to continue on the path which itself can be quite hard. And you can place this in anything. At your work, you can be a Kshatriya. When you think about your work as more about inspiring others, then that you become a Kshatriya at your workplace. Kshatriya at home with your family. 
if it's all about generosity, giving more of your time, giving more of your love, giving more of your wisdom, giving more of your support, whatever it is. So don't just think this is on the spiritual plane alone. The duties of a Vaishya by nature are, this I found very interesting because I wouldn't have thought of it that way, but tilling the soil. Normally I would thought of tilling, you know, peasantry work, idea like shudra wala kaam hai. Anything which is physical, we somehow, I at least in my mind attributed it to that particular caste. But this is what Krishna says here. Tilling the soil, cattle breeding and business. Business wala samajata hai. So we know Vaishya ka quality kya hai. What is a, but this is interesting, isn't it? The duties of a Vaishya, tilling the soil, which means doing something a little bit more physical with the body, cattle breeding, which is raising another thing other than yourself, cattle breeding. In India, of course, the concept of the cow, of cattle, is already quite divinely inspired, isn't it? So to be able to take care of something that's higher than you, no? to breed, to give them life, to support them. And then business. Business, he's just thrown business as a, you know, like a, just a complete thing, which means transactional. Vaishyas are all about transaction. And again, spiritually, we can be so transactional. I will only do this if, I will meditate if it gives me peace of mind. You know, if God comes to me in this meditation, then I'll meditate. I'll only energize if it actually gives me more energy. Whereas the Kshatriya says, I am going to energize because energy itself is the reward. I don't need to think about Hone Kyawal. And the Brahmin just says, I just want to be in God and energy is one of God's aspects. So I want to feel him. Yeah, so those are the states of consciousness that we have. Now imagine somebody who is otherwise of a Vaishya consciousness, but in outward life is being forced to do something else. You know? That's where we don't know where our dharmas are. And that's why it's important to understand what our consciousness is. What our states of awareness is, what are gunas that are predominant in us. Because if we are unable to express the actual gunas and caste system within us, then we're going to be out of harmony with our beings. Now, when the caste system was created and why it became so outward, it was from a time when the society was very ordered, from higher yugas, of course. It's very clear. Everyone knew that there is a divine order to life. Everyone understood that the duties that we express is a natural kind of manifestation of the very consciousness that I hold. And so society was very ordered. It was very easy to say, okay, you do this and you do this and you do this and you do this. And no one was confused over, you know, I want to be a king. You can't be a king. Not because you are incapable or to a certain degree, because you are incapable. And they understood that reality. But later on, of course, it got so corrupted. And today, in today's society, we're not in an ordered society. In fact, we are in a very tumultuous period of society, a very transitional period of society. And we cannot place these boxes in an outward sense. We can only place them from an awareness of who I am. And therefore, what is mine to express in this world? So many people, we've given this example how many times, you know, they want to leave their jobs and they want to commit to a spiritual journey. But, well, what if their inner caste, their inner consciousness is still of a Vaishya, is still of a Kshatriya or whatever it is, then that is much more better for them than to try to be a Brahmin, so to speak, when it's really not their gunas right now.
And when you understand that, and when you make peace with that, then you're able to truly perform that which has been given to you to do. Finally, he says, those of a shudra, those of a shudra are service, which is the duties of a shudra, are service to members of the higher caste. So that, Krishna has made that as a, again, a very generic thing. For those of absolute tamas being their major kind of guna, predominant guna, for them, only environment. When you serve someone and you have to mix with them and be around them, you start to take on. That's why we serve the Guru. Why? If I serve the Guru, I start to take on the Guru's consciousness. That's why we always talk about serving the Guru. If you serve society, you take on society's consciousness. If you serve a singular person over and over again, you take on that particular consciousness. So for the Shudra, for that tamasic energy, Krishna says, only in being in that environment and serving, which means making their, making their lives your kind of your expression. So little by little, the Shudra kind of in being around the people of Vaishya consciousness. Again, let's not look at this outwardly at all. Just consciousness. Just starts to take on. Because the Shudra is like, I want to do anything. Low energy, low everything. Grumpy. Grumpy, lazy. <laughs> the only reason, remember we talked about why Tamas will move is two reasons. Fear of punishment or pleasure. Bas. These are the two motivating factors to someone of the Shudra mentality, Shudra consciousness. But the Vesha consciousness is, I will put out energy as long as it benefits me. So for a Shudra, that's a great step up. I will put out energy if it benefits me. Kshatriya, I will put out energy because it benefits others. And I will put out energy because energy is God. Everything is God. I want to experience God. So that becomes, in fact, each needs to serve the other. The Vaishya needs to serve the Kshatriya, the Kshatriya needs to serve the Brahmins and that's why society was arranged that way. The kings were in service to the Rishis, the merchants were in service to the king and whoever of the Shudra consciousness were in service to the Vaishyas. And that becomes our understanding of when I'm in this state of consciousness, what do I do? When I'm in the other, what do I do? And what is the predominant state and therefore what is the outward duty, what is my dharma? What is the expression I have to do in this life to be able to be in attunement with the state of consciousness I already possess, that guna that is most predominant in my being. Now why? Because then Krishna says, each one attentive to his own duty, men rise toward the highest success. Only when you get into that dharma, understand what that duty, what that outward expression of your consciousness needs to be vis-a-vis -vis these qualities we just talked about. Hear now how, by devotedly pursuing his own duty, one may rise toward the final end. You are not going to be able to shift from Vaishya to Kshatriya unless you fulfilled Vaishya. So that jump is not just going to happen because I want it. That looks better to me, you know. Kitab mein to likha hai, that's how a spiritual aspirant should look like. Again, coming back to, I need to be forgiving all the time. Are you need? That would be a wonderful thing. Are you capable of it? If you're not capable of it, what are you capable of that takes you just a step beyond your ego? 
and that is only when you fulfill that duty can forgiveness become a bestowed quality not a perceived pursuable quality as right now many of us struggle towards that highest awareness of forgiveness or any of these qualities of the Brahman. One attains perfection by offering his own special gifts up to him out of whom all beings were manifested and by whom the whole universe is permeated. So when we perfect, see this is the beauty of perfection. When you perfect your dharma, that dharma becomes perfectly aligned to God. Only then can you offer it truly to God. Everything that we do on the spiritual path is not yet even worthy to be offered to God. Our meditations aren't worthy truly to be offered to God. They're just restless, they're just, you know, minds just churning, whatever it's churning. We may look like, you know, something magical is going on inside, but oftentimes it's not. And that's it, until we don't perfect it, because the highest expression of anything in this world is of God's. So if you become the highest expression of a sport, then you have a certain gray of grace that flows through you that allows you to get better, better, and then ascend beyond that stage. So to be able to give that is the greatest duty of any of these castes. It is better to fail attempting to follow one's own dharma than to succeed in following the dharma of another. One incurs no sin in trying to fulfill his own duty. No sin, of course, each time we talked about sin, what did we mean? Karma. But not karma, because anything will create karma as long as there is ego. But this is karma that's not new, thereby it's not created an entire new binding pattern. For example, your quality is that of a Kshatriya, of somebody who should serve people, but your father wants you to be in his business and now you're in his business. Now you've created an entire line of karma that now you'll have to play out over the next many lifetimes. Had you been able to fulfill the Kshatriya aspect of your being, you would have been in tune with the karma that already flows through you and thereby you would not have created further bondage. That's why it's so important to know yourself know your consciousness and know the gunas at play within you. O son of Kunti, one should not abandon the work dictated by his own nature, even though the work contains some imperfections. For all undertakings, even the best, are marred by blemishes, even as the flame is obscured by smoke. So and we are always looking for just that ideal, that one thing I want to do that's just perfect for me and everything. It just fulfills every desire I have. And you'll never find that. Whatever is in front of you, whatever you think, even if it's imperfect, even if you're not able to fully understand it, fully perform it, if it's your duty, if it's in vibrational resonance with your consciousness, that's what you should be putting out. That's where your energy should be directed. That person comes closest to attaining perfection who keeps his intellect non-attached to everything outside the self, who reigns in victory over the self and from whom all desires have fled. Now, of course, Krishna, now he moves away from the castes entirely and he's come back 
to Arjuna. See, this is the beauty here. Arjuna is the spiritual Kshatriya, the warrior, ready to take his next step. But what's stopping him from taking his next step is fully accepting his dharma. What is his dharma? To fight. He's resisting that. He wants to become a Brahmin. I want peace and isn't that better and isn't love better. But he's not perfected his dharma yet. Thereby he cannot move into the state, the consciousness of the Brahmin. He cannot move into the state where all desires have fled him. He cannot move into the state where his intellect is no longer outwardly involved. So he returns back. Bhai Arjuna, tu hai. I'm guiding you now to your next step. But in order to do that, we come back to the very beginning, which is fulfill this dharma. You fulfill this dharma right here, right now, then you'll be able to take that next step. O son of Kunti, hear from me how he who attains perfection finds the culmination of all seeking in Brahman. Absorbed in complete purity of the intellect, subjugating body and senses by resolute self-restraint, protecting oneself as much as possible from noise and from other sense entanglements, relinquishing both attachment and repugnance, ab abiding in a solitary place, eating lightly, controlling the body, speech and mind, absorbing oneself in divine yoga meditation, dispassionate, serene, self-surrendered, relinquishing all attraction to power, vanity, lust, anger, possessions, and the consciousness of me and mine, such a person qualifies to become one with Brahman. You know, so when we look at our lives and we say, why aren't we there yet? You know, I've been at it for a year now. I've been meditating for a year. Why am I not absorbed in Brahman yet? You just look at these qualities, most of them are self-explanatory, there's nothing, we've gone over every one of these qualities at least a hundred times throughout the Gita. This is nothing new here. What I love about here is abiding in a solitary place and protecting oneself from noise and other sense entanglements. Because I feel that's a very practical first step. You know, Narayani and I, when we moved from Mumbai city into this new ashram in Mud Island. I mean, for us, this was like a breath of fresh air because we've always lived a little bit in a rural setting, a little bit community ashram life. And the Mumbai city was just so difficult for us. Even though we didn't really feel it because, you know, we were serving, we we're doing so much, but our nervous system was so overworked and stimulated just by the noise, just by the sense entanglements that the world has. If you make an effort to step out of that reality, to abide in a more solitary place, to move consciously away from noise and sense, and sense entanglements, that's already a great outward step. I like this because it's outward. It's not like in the Brahman and he who has, you know, gone into meditation. because when God's grace descends enough on us to do that. But can you take an outward step to say, this is what I want? Because it's very easy to say, yeah, I want that, but you know, I can't. And because my children are, my school is, 
all that stuff and then you, when you realize that it's only excuses that you would prefer to use rather than actually make that already just tells you where your mind kind of leans towards that rajas is naturally a, pr a more predominant reality because even while your mind says i wish i was in a better quieter lovelier whatever place but my own state of consciousness hasn't moved into that wish that I can actually take that step. This is again, what should I do versus what am I capable of doing? What am I willing to do? These are three different levels and each of them tell you which level of consciousness that you have. What should I do tells you where you aspire for. So tells you which is the state you want to move from into which state. What am I capable tells you where you are and what you are willing will tell you which guna you are able to use to make that switch. So again, just very practical. I love Krishna. Just very practical. No, 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 no mumbo jumbo here. One attains supreme devotion to me and can be absorbed in Brahman who is always inwardly calm, who never laments and is without desire and who beholds all beings with equal mind. Again, practical. What does he say? One attains supreme devotion to me. What would we think as supreme devotion? Gana Krishna dance That's not supreme devotion at all. One who attains supreme devotion is one who is inwardly calm. That's it. If you can get so still inwardly, only then can you actually be completely devoted to God. Otherwise, you are incapable of being devoted to God. One who never laments, matlab, never complains. Never complains. I remember this time, this, this story, and I will end with this. You know, Swamiji was just not very well. His body always gave him so much trouble over you know just all those decades one thing after the other <laughs> working out carrying a lot of our burdens but you know such was his ability to do so and one day was just one of his worst days you know just there he is oh, his energy is completely drained he had to do something you know he was supposed to give some public thing and he just can't and he has no power left in him and one of our the spiritual directors of another Assis, Inaya Swami Kirtani, she just comes to him in the morning to see how he's doing and she just sees him just completely drained of any even a little drop of energy. And she just says, Swamiji, sometimes I get so mad at Divine Mother because she lets this and she wanted to, you know, just go on to say, you who have given your life to her and, you know, why would she even do this? So I get really mad at Divine Mother because she allows and she was just trying to finish that sentence and Swami just, he has no energy, he's just like, he just says, don't, suddenly, Divine Mother can do whatever she pleases with this body. That's it. No laments, no complaints. I mean, that's, I mean, we can't fake this stuff, you see. Can't go around just thinking, this person should be that way, that person should be this way, I should be this way. And then say, Ki bhai, mere kuch nahi ho hai. Kyun 
Where is there room for God in such a consciousness? Then without desire, that's <laughs> without desire to hopefully one day. And then finally, who beholds, and this is the last thing, all beings with equal mind. That's such an important thing. Krishna has again repeatedly talked to us about that. Beholds all beings the same. Which means complaints is what we dislike and then there's judgment, there's criticism. Doesn't even have to be big things. Most of the time we are even right. Asaniki, our judgments are like random. We are mostly right in our judgments and criticism. But then we get to live with our judgments and criticism. We don't get to live with Krishna. That's the choice. He had two choices. Eh? Live with your judgments or live with Krishna. Now we have to choose. But in our choice, what Krishna is offering us between these two states is saying, where is your consciousness? Are you even capable of living with me? Would you even be worthy of my presence? Because what are you capable of right now? What are you capable of? What are you willing? And what should you do? These are our three questions perhaps we can work with. Anyway, let's stop here. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, <laughs> just concepts. Yeah. shake us back into our spine and stiffen our resolve a little bit to say, oh boy, say like, I have to do better. We still have some work, homework <laughs> to do. Little work. I would like to come back to the beginning of this class and go to that stanza where Krishna speaks about the duties of a Brahmin. Hmm. And the first word that he says there is a mind control, which is concentration. And that's one of the main characteristics or duties and, and the essence of a Brahmin. And I think this is something that we all should develop to perfection, no matter at what kind of level of consciousness we are at. Because once we have developed that concentration, which is basically a concentrated, focused awareness and consciousness in what we have in front of us. That's our Dharma. Are we able to give our 100% our full concentrated mind to what we have in front of us? That might be a project that we are working at, a person we are talking to while we are sitting in meditation watching our breath, are we able to concentrate and keep our mind concentrated throughout that time that we are talking with that person, that we are writing that email, or that we are meditating? I don't know about you, but I'm becoming more and more aware these last few days and weeks how restless my mind becomes when there are so many things happening in front of me and people and a phone call and internet and Instagram and this message I need to say and something I, I need to tell to Rajesh and something that I have to also to tell Abiruchi and I have all these cross currents of 
energy in my mind and I know my mind is not concentrated. I'm not at my center. I'm in my senses. So I would like for each one of us to practice this very consciously for the next week. And especially when we talk to people. I have noticed that many times <laughs> I'm talking with someone and we are just having a conversation and someone, someone passes, you know, next to me or just crosses the kitchen or say something else and that person like just write that, like that, you know, stops talking to me and just see what else is happening. And sometimes I do that as well. And I have realized that I need to be in control of my senses, of my energy, and I need to give my 100% to what is in front of me. Because if I learn to develop that concentration in little things, I'm training my mind to keep it concentrated throughout my meditation and don't allow my mind wonders. So I would say pay attention during this week, even while you are writing a message, an email. Are you also checking your phone? Are you also looking at the distance? I mean, just put everything aside and tell to yourself, I'm going to start this activity and I'm going to finish it and I'm not going to do anything in between or even while doing this activity because that's bring i mean that that is what brings procrastination and that makes our mind restless so see throughout your day how many times you are doing something and so easily you get distracted by something else by somebody else. Shurja was talking about the fact that when we were living at the city, in the city, you know, we felt overstimulated and we had to bring ourselves physically out from that environment and to place ourselves in an environment that will support that state of mind that we want to develop. Well, guess what? We can also do that daily by coming back to ourselves, by just being doing one thing at a time and remaining at the center of our being. And that's something that Swamiji developed, you know, in its, per its perfection. I mean, if he was talking to you, he was with you. If he was writing a book, he was writing a book and nothing else existed except writing that book. If he was saying something, he was putting all his heart into it. Are you able to do that? Are you putting your whole heart into what you are doing, into what you are saying, into the person? that is in front of you. If not, we should seriously consider to perfect that as our duty. And I, I think that's something that I personally feel very inspired 
to work on myself. I mean, can I give my 100% to what I have in front of me? Because that's my dharma. And if I learn to deal with my dharma and to perform my dharma at its highest, I know I'm developing, I'm aspiring to achieve to that state of Brahmin that it's acquired for also as simple as having deep meditation. So see how you are going to apply this in your daily life, but don't underestimate the power of the mind control that Krishna is advising, like almost an essential um, attitude and quality on the path. Okay.